Hi, and welcome to Money Matters with Michael Kelly. I'm Mike Kelly, the founder of Kelly Financial Group, and today we're sitting with Mark Herbert, the founder of Herbert Law Office. Uh, we've been working together for about six years now. Mm -hmm. uh, it's worked out very, very well. We share uh, a building, individual office space, but it's worked out very well for both us and for our clients. So really what we're trying to do is bring you information that would kind of cross over into both atmospheres here. Both of us deal with money, both of us deal with people, but how does it cross over? So do you have any questions or, to me, um, the first one, the big one that everybody's been asking about lady is this, the SECURE Act. And right. um, it's impacted a lot of life, but how has it impacted living trusts? Well, whenever the federal uh, law changes, it, it impacts so many different things, so many different assets including living trusts. So uh, when you build a living trust, uh, you're basically trying to take assets such as houses, bank accounts, and other assets, and keeping them away from probate court and keeping them away from the tax man, which is uh, a pretty big, big... Uh, Unnecessary, if possible. A big goal <laughs> yeah. and a big headache because they never make anything easy for us. But um, So it's really impacted living trust by making it um, so that we have to be a lot more detailed with our clients, which is great. Um, I like to sit down with everybody, go through their assets one by one. If they're happy with things, we leave them alone. If they wanna make a change, that's what we're here to help with. And so when it comes to trusts and, and people who name their trust as a beneficiary of their IRA or 401ks, there's all sorts of rules mm -hmm. for those assets. And so we have to watch the federal rules uh, we also have to watch the state rules because with uh, Proposition 19 that passed in November 2020, any real estate that's being transferred to a non-spouse, now there's a whole new set of complications there too. So we really have to look at every single asset, what to leave in, what to leave out, and why. And so, you know, based on our clients' uh, family structure, asset structure, and goals, Every plan is different, which is good. That's it true. keeps it fun and uh, creative, <laughs> and you know we get to answer a lot of detailed questions. But I'm sure on your side, the Secure Act has made things uh, interesting for you and your clients too. Yeah, well, in the financial world, it's impacted a lot of things. Uh, and really, what we see, people say, well, how is this going to impact my retirement? What does this mean right. for my IRAs and for my 401ks? And you know, the, the number of areas really to focus on there. IRAs, it changed it, took away the stretch IRA for all intents and purposes. Uh, some of it is still there depending on the rules. There's an exception to every rule that we talk about. So if you're within 10 years of the person you're uh, inheriting the IRA from, ten, within 10 years of age, then it will allow you to stretch it. If you're a minor child, there's different rules. If you're a spouse, there's different rules. Right. But the normal rule change means that instead of being able to stretch that income over your lifetime, you have to take a distribution within 10 years. You don't have to take one-tenth per year. That's where it opens up for a lot of planning because we can take some one year, some another year, depending on your income, depending on when you're going to retire. Uh, it also impacts, quite frankly, um, how you do planning for your kids' education. Right. 529 plans still exist. Coverdell's went away. 529 plans added some features where now you can take out up to $10,000 a year to pay for 
education, not just higher education, but trade schools or private school. If you want to send your children to a private school, you can take up to $10,000 a year out of a 529 and pay for that. You also can take up to $5,000 for an adoption without any penalties. Now, that's the key, without any penalties. Does not mean right. without any taxes. <laughs> right. So, again, there's an exception to every rule, and if you have questions on your case, we can help you answer that. But it really has impacted a number of retirement plans. It's impacted 401ks as far as disclosures, because now they have to indicate what a lifetime income would be rather than just making you take a lump sum. They've right. included annuities in them. I, I mean, I could go on and on, but uh, this isn't just about the SECURE Act, so I tend to talk too much. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, but, but that was actually going to be one of my other questions that I hear from my clients a lot is, is when should I start planning for retirement? There is so much going on with, yep. with pensions and 401s and IRAs. So when do you suggest people actually start planning for retirement? Well, a general rule of thumb in, in accounting, I have an accounting degree, so they teach us all these rules of thumb. For the best day for investing is the day you turn 18 years old or today. Right. You should either start then or start <laughs> now. I mean, the most important thing to do is give yourself as much time as possible. Uh, rule of thumb, if you start investing in your 20s, you should put away 10% of your income. In your 30s, put away 15%. 40s, 20%. 50s, 25%. If you're getting started in retirement in your 60s trying to save, you're going to be working for a while. Right, uh, right. But planning-wise, you want to start planning early, again, primarily for taxes, the tax avoidance. Right. Uh, an IRS agent told me tax avoidance is legal, tax evasion is not. You need it's to a know very, the difference. It's a very good, <laughs> good point. If you follow the law, you can avoid the taxes legally. Correct. If you break the law, then you're going to evade the taxes and go to prison. Correct. Eventually. Yes. So... That's bad. Prison is bad. I think we can all agree. Prison is bad. <laughs> but it, it's, it's true. I think that, that the sooner you start, the more options you have. And, yep. and when I sit down and talk with clients, it's all about options. You know, options for the kids, options for the assets. And the more options, you know, the, the more headaches you have, uh, to an extent, the better because you can plan and, and do different uh, transactions with different assets at different times for different purposes. And it, it gets to be pretty exciting when I sit down with somebody and they say, oh, our finances are a mess. Mm -hmm. We've got all these accounts. I'm thinking, well, that's a good mess to have. Let, now let's talk about, right. you know, consolidating this or maybe moving that. Um, because the law is always a moving target and, and you have to make sure that you're following the law and then actually there's, there's a lot of room to move yeah. if you know what you're doing. Um, you know, there's a lot of assets that can end up in probate court. A lot of people built wealth based on land over the past 50 years in California, and then they changed the rules last year, the voters, uh, who I don't think knew exactly what they were voting for. But um, for those people who have a million dollars or more of land now, um, there's a major tax problem, but there's also an opportunity to avoid that and to, to use estate planning to get around Proposition 19 through living trusts. Um, you know, some people will use LLCs as sort of an offshoot of mm -hmm. the estate plan to avoid some of those taxes. So there's a lot of good options out there if you know the law and, and you get some good advice. Well, estate plan is a little different too because with retirement planning, you generally have a target date. 
You have a pretty right. much, you know when or approximately when you might want to retire. You also know what the goal is as far as income and what you want to have. Right. Estate planning, you really don't know that date. You That's just true. don't. I mean, but it, it really is hard for people because two reasons. One, they don't want to come to grips with that date's eventually coming. Right. And two, do I, I have to plan for that. And so they have all of these misconceptions of what they can do and when they can do it. What have you found is the biggest misconception when it comes to estate planning? Sure. Um, I think a lot of people have this perception that um, it's too expensive. It costs far too much money. Well, you don't know that until we sit down and go through your situation. Um, the other one is it's, it's far too uh, time consuming. It takes too much time. All those documents. Oh, my goodness. My friend had an estate plan and it was 300 pages. He doesn't even know what's in there. Um, you know, things like that, uh, or we don't have enough assets to protect. So um, the rule of thumb, going back to your phrase, is if you have a house in California or any land worth $50,000 or more, in my opinion, you should protect it in a trust. And it's not that expensive. And it's not that time consuming. Um, the way we do things are, uh, we sit down at the initial consultation, we go through your current financial situation, family situation, we give you options. And based on those options, we do a flat fee, not hourly. So the more hours we put in, that's okay. The more questions you ask, that's actually better. It makes me give you a better plan. Um, most plans come together in 30 to 45 days. And so it really isn't that expensive. It really isn't that time consuming. And again, if you've got a piece of land with a Joshua tree on it, you probably want to protect it <laughs> yep. um, because the alternative is most likely probate court, which is very expensive, it's very time, very time consuming, yeah. very stressful. Um, you know, rule of thumb is seven percent of what goes into probate court magically disappears in court fees, lawyer fees, you know, bond payments. It takes two years and twenty thousand um, dollars. And most of the time, you have no control over the result. So by doing a little bit of estate planning now, you can avoid all of that, protect your loved ones, protect your assets, and have peace of mind that, yeah, eventually, something's going to happen. I'm going to get sick. I'm going to get hurt. But that everything is lined up the way you want it to be and not the whim of Sacramento um, or maybe family members that you don't really want to be included that get included. Um, because you're, if you don't create your own estate plan, California has a plan for you, and it, it, it costs more. It benefits California <laughs> a lot. It doesn't benefit your loved ones very much at all. Um, so yeah, estate planning can be, you know, um, something. You definitely want to take your time and work through it. You should not end up with 300 pages. It should end up being less than 100 for a married couple with a. Depending couple. on how many assets you have. Yeah, How many yeah. Amendments? Yep. yeah, but we, we try to incorporate into each document as much information as we can to tr make sure that you understand what you're signing before you sign it. Uh, that's a big part of what we do as well, is I go through multiple times um, each document, answering questions as we go so that, so that it isn't as confusing as, as it might be somewhere else. And, and a lot of people we talk to say, well, you know, I don't have enough assets and I probably don't need a trust when I agree with you most of the time they do. Mm -hmm. However, they say, well, just a will. Just, I just need a will. What does a will actually do? Well, 
A will is better than not having a will. Um, because if you don't have a will, then you are at the mercy of, of California's default plan, which is probate court. And then once your loved ones get through with that, the tax man comes along and, and he wants his cut too. With a will, at least you can say who's in charge, you know, um, who gets the car, who gets grandma's rocking chair or any piece of, of personal property. Um, so having a will is better than not having a will but just because you have some sense of control over it. Um, so not having a will is bad. Having a will is better. For most people, having a living trust is better still because you don't have to go to court, waste all that time and money. Um, and then with a living trust, you can actually um, name the trust as a beneficiary uh, for life insurance, 401ks, mm -hmm. IRAs, um, because especially with life insurance, um, you know, the company, they just want to write a check to your beneficiary the day they turn 18. And there's not a lot of 18 year olds who are ready to handle $100,000 <laughs> or more. Um, some experience here, I, that's true. Yeah, I've raised three kids, they're great yep. kids, but giving them $100,000 the day they turn 18, yep. um, they're not gonna be as good with that asset as 21 years old, 25 years old. So naming the trust as the beneficiary, you can actually control the ages and amounts that they get that money. And again, that, that really depends on which assets you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Now I know uh, for us, it, when I've looked at it, putting a house in a trust or naming the house in the trust and recording the deed right. is kind of a no-brainer. It is. It really is, and and the way we do things here is we actually will file the deed for our clients. Oh, okay. You know, California wants to charge everybody two hundred and twenty-five dollars per deed. If it's half an acre of dirt, it's two twenty-five. If it's a mansion, it's two twenty-five. But for your primary house, once there are exemptions there that the county recorders somehow don't tell people, it really should be about thirty-five dollars. So that's an extra 200 bucks in your pocket. Um, the other day we were, uh, we actually ended up doing four deeds for somebody. We saved them like 600 bucks just on filing fees. They have six primary it, houses? They have, they have a primary <laughs> house, yeah. They have a primary house and then three other parcels. Um, one of them out in Ventura County. Um, so, I mean, it's, that's $500 that yeah. you get to keep that the government doesn't get to keep. The form is worth, you know, 35 bucks on your primary, about 105 on your secondaries. Um, so I always enjoy doing that. The more deeds we do, the bigger I smile because we're saving people hundreds of dollars yep. on each deed. And, and to me, the real reason that I always thought of putting a house in a trust is to avoid probate. Right. Because of the withholding on it and the bond and everything. But probate obviously has been affected by COVID. Uh, what changes have you seen take place because of that? Yeah, so once upon a time when I started as a lawyer 26 years ago, the rule of thumb in probate was about a year, about $10,000. And then, you know, the population has grown and the courts have shrunk. So maybe 10 years ago, it got to be two years and 20,000. And then all of a sudden COVID hit. So um, it hasn't helped, <laughs> let's put it that way. It's made the calendars longer, uh, which usually means more money out of pocket because if there's a bond, it's an annual bond. Mm -hmm. And you've got to pay that $5,000 every year the case goes on. So in LA County, they actually shut down the courthouses for about four months. 
and then they restricted the access for another four months. So that's the better part of a year when we couldn't do mm -hmm. almost anything. Um, so we've got a process that streamlines probate. Um, it's usually 18 months or less, but now the rule of thumb is three years, $30,000, sometimes four years. Sounds like a car warranty. It's, it's <laughs> awful. It's awful. And, uh, and the problem is every time, if you walk in on your own and everything is not lined up perfectly the way the court wants, they're going to give you a continuance. Okay, that, that's fine. It's not a 30-day continuance. It's a 90-day continuance or a 120-day continuance. So you go through a couple of those, and all of a sudden the calendar flips, and you've got another bond payment due, and it's just um, this ongoing nightmare so for it, your loved it's ones. Increase the time dramatically. Put it that Absolutely. way. Absolutely, it's it's by 50 percent and the yeah. cost. Well, so when you're looking at the trust, it avoids all of that. Right. So some assets go in, some don't. I know we were talking earlier um, about IRAs, 401ks. Should can a trust own that? The answer, short answer is the trust could own anything, right. but you, it, normally that's not something that you want to do. Because you put a, a, an IRA in a trust, then it changes the rules completely. You lose that stretch or even the 10-year portion of it, it. It cuts it down to five years. Right. It makes it all of the distributions that are taxable and everything coming out of an IRA is taxable. Uh, is subject to the trust tax brackets. And if you want to hit the top marginal tax bracket, it's only $12,400. Right. And then you're paying 39.6 on that. So there's a number of reasons why you wouldn't want a trust to own an IRA. I don't believe it can own a 401k because that's a company sponsored or an employer sponsored plan. Right. So when but when you roll it over, now you can make a trust the beneficiary in some cases where it's necessary, but in the vast majority of cases, I would say it's not something you should do. Again, there's a lot more to that than we're going over right here. Sure. So if that's sure. your situation, um, we really need to sit down and talk about that. But you know, when you when you look at inheritance and you look at making sure your assets get passed on, currently um, there's a, a $5.4 million exemption. Right. Or 11.7. I don't know how they work that math because it's not exact. Right. But it's, <laughs> it's does, government math. Right. <laughs> does that um, exemption eliminate income tax on your investments or income tax on the assets that you inherit? It does if it's um, through the trust. So, again, every asset's different. You have different state law, different federal law imposed on that. So, again, every asset has different laws. Uh, different companies have different rules where sometimes there's even a penalty before you get the money that is then taxed by the government before you get the money. So <laughs> it's this ongoing struggle to, again, look at each asset and say, okay, here's your exposure to taxes. You've done a great job. You worked hard. You saved a bunch of money. You invested well. You paid your debts. Um, now let's make sure that you don't get hit on taxes either during your lifetime as your assets grow or, or down the road with inheritance taxes for your loved ones. So it really is um, kind of interesting that, that you get to work with all these different assets and, and you'll see um, you know, the benefits of people's hard work, but then it's always in the back of my mind that now you've earned it, now you, it's what you keep, it's not always it's not what, what you make, make. It's what you keep, yep. it's what you keep. Absolutely. and what you can hand off 
you know, to, to your spouse, to your kids, grandkids down the line. So um, there comes a certain point when it gets into 401ks and, and some of the, you know, the, the TSPs and, and uh, teacher mm -hmm. pensions and things like that where, I, you know, I have to stop, I have to draw a line and say, you know what, that's a great question and I wish I knew the answer. I don't, but I know a guy yeah. <laughs> and, um, and he can answer that and walk you through the options. So one of the best things right. about working with you is we have the same philosophy, you know, the client directs the process. Questions are good, the client directs the process. And so whenever I get into a spot where I think, you know, I don't know the answer to that, um, that we can refer them over, that you look at things at no cost and you say, hey, here's what you got. Here's what's good, here's what you might want to fix, and here's why, and then ultimately the client's in charge. And so I feel very comfortable when, when, I, when I reach the limit of my knowledge to say, I don't know, you know well, a, a, phrase, a phrase that no lawyer <laughs> likes to say, I don't know, but I know where to find the answer. I know somebody who does know, and then we can make sure that everything fits together mm -hmm. and that they're fully covered. You know, it is nice because if I have a question legally, when I'm sitting with a client, I can just walk out of my office down the hall, say, hey, what about this? And I can get an answer right away for the clients. And the same thing with you. When you come right. down and say, hey, what about that? It, it's beneficial to the client to have that access all in one location. Yeah, it really is. Absolutely. It's, it's something that I've found really lets people have peace of mind. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of what we do, like you say, is based on what's best for the client but it's also that peace of mind that we can give them to, to when they walk out, they have the answers that they're looking for without having to continue to search. Right, and I, I get good answers. I don't have to play phone tag or you know email tag or yep. whatever. I can walk 20, 25 feet, get an answer, and keep keeps moving things forward. Yeah. Now, we're both small business owners. Uh, I'm a big believer in owning a business. Uh, watch some of our podcasts I've talked about how the tax code was written back in the 1800s originally. 80% uh, of the country owned a business, farmers, shopkeepers, things like that. Right. By 1980, 80% of the country worked for somebody else, but the tax code hadn't changed. So I think everyone should own a business. Do you work with people as far as setting up corporations and the different types of corporations? Sure, sure. And I like corporations. I am a corporation. Um, and there's a lot of good things involved in a corporation, you know, protection from liability, um, you know, avoid double taxation. Uh, then now the rise of, of the LLC or limited liability companies have a lot of the same protections um, without a lot of the hoops that you have to jump through as a corporation. I'm pretty well stuck as a professional corporation. Yep. That's, that's your niche. That's my mode. That's, yep. that's what the rules say I'm, I'm stuck with. Um, and corporations are really good. Um, I've, there's a lot of benefits in, in having a corporation versus a sole proprietorship or even a partnership. Uh, but then now LLCs are, are coming on strong. Uh, there's fewer procedural rules and, and requirements on an LLC. Um, it used to be that you didn't have to do the minimum tax. And I kept telling people for years and years, someday they're going to wake up and close that loophole, and yeah, the loophole slammed shut about three years ago. Yep. Um, but still, LLCs work well for a lot of people. Corporations work well for a lot of people because if, if you're a sole proprietor and you get an offender bender, they get access to 
everything. Um, hopefully they just stop at the car insurance, but technically, you know, they can get into your personal bank accounts, your personal residence. With a corporation or an LLC, you have that protection from liability. So there's a limit. There's only so far they can, you know, bother you or try to get into your assets. So uh, as people develop their, their businesses or if their business is renting houses, uh, one of the things we look at with the new Prop 19 law is, okay, you're, you're bumping up against that limit. It might be good to take this one piece out, do an LLC. You still have control, you still have protections, but they're not gonna sneak up on you with a big old tax. Again, tax avoidance yep. um, is a big part of what we do as people you know, accumulate their assets, values go yep. up, taxes seem to come down, and pretty soon you're gonna have a, uh, an impact there that, that can be avoided if we do things ahead of time, if we plan uh, for that possibility. So really, when we look at it, there's benefits and there's cost on all of that type of thing, but the benefits typically far outweigh the cost if it's set up correctly. Right. And like in your case, the cost is minimal for you to deal with the state and to set up all the paperwork and, the, and record the minutes and do everything. So right. I, I really believe that's a, a valuable thing that you do. It really helps a lot of people and I've seen that personally. Yeah, and you know, I get excited. I, I sit down with a lot of people who say, hey, we're thinking about this idea and it's a little rough, but what do you think? And uh, nine times out of 10, I think that's a great business. I would go to that business. Um, I expect you to do very well, but now you're gonna have money coming in and now you gotta- Well, that's the goal. I you mean. gotta keep it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there's a lot of great ideas out there. Yep. And so sometimes people will, will come in and they'll say, well, we're not really sure. We sort of think we're gonna do a coffee cart. Uh, I drink a lot of coffee, so I think a coffee cart is a great business, and and so to help them get that launch to make sure they're protected legally, uh, I really Can you enjoy that. Free one. cups of coffee in in your place. I would there love for the to lawyer. do that. I need to find a way to sneak that in at the bottom of page two or something, because um, yeah, there's there's a lot of great ideas out there. There are, and there it's are. a good time to People get. People are pretty clever. Yeah, and and you know with technology coming in, um, what used to take a week takes a minute or an hour if you're really slow. Um, so there's a lot of opportunities out there and, and in growing your business, hopefully the revenue comes in, mm -hmm. but then then that has challenges as well. How do you keep the revenue? And right. so California is always trying to nickel and dime. And if it was only nickels and dimes, that would be okay, but it's not. It's, it's 500 here and 800 there. And yeah. um, so we like to find people ways to keep the money in-house, in-pocket, um, so that you know they can provide for their families and, and their future down the road. Really, when we, we look at the overall planning process, uh, we've worked very well together for the last six years. People ask me questions, people ask you questions. Is, what's the big question that you typically get when it says, well, who are these people? Yeah, it, it comes down to, to trust. I think, you know, th there's a lot of confusion out there. California has this knack of taking something pretty basic and just making it very complicated. And then the feds come in and they add another layer of complication. So it really comes down to, okay, I've got this asset. I've worked really hard for it. I want to keep it growing. I've sort of been managing it myself or I'm dealing with this advisor who I hear from once a year. And, and I've got questions or I've got worries. Who do I trust? 
And so, you know, we've been clients of yours for years, yep. and we have been very, very happy. Same Every thing, you did our trust. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Works so well. <laughs> it, and it does, and, and whenever we have a question, we can sit down, all our questions get answered, sometimes a lot of questions, um, because there's so much going on with the market and yep. the taxes and, and things like that. So I always feel really good saying, hey look, here's my advisor, they're right down the hall, we've had a lot of success working with them, um, you know, uh, and, and they explain everything fully, they show us our options, we choose the option we like, and then moving forward, that's what it is. So I always feel really confident referring your office because I've worked with you, I've seen you interact with hundreds of people. Um, and, and people are smiling here, people are laughing here, people are giving out hugs, you know. Uh, We're allowed to do that. Because, yeah, <laughs> consensual, of course. Um, because there's a relationship right. where people know you, they trust you, they've worked with you for 10, 15, 20. Yeah, 20 plus years. 20 plus years, I know, right? I'm getting up there. So it's, it's, um, it's a great place to be. There's, there's a lot of energy here, and I think that um, a big part of that is always looking out for the client as a fiduciary. Yep, that's what we are. I'm a fiduciary. I yep. have to do what's best for my client. Again, I show you the options, I tell you what's good or bad, and then that's what we do. Yep. Whether it's good or bad for me is completely pointless. Yep. It's all about taking care of the client. It's pretty nice, too, when what you actually want to do turns out to be what's best for the client. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And it, it really does work out well for both of us. So. What we'd like you to know is we really value you, your business. We are here to serve you. Um, we want you to know that the, the questions that you have, whether you think they're unimportant or not, we're here to provide the answers for you because every question deserves to be answered. There's no such thing as a dumb question except for the ones that are never asked because right. those turn into dumb mistakes. And we want you to get those answers. We want you to have the service that you're looking for. And we want to take care of both you and your money now and later on when you want it to do other things or go to other people. Because the bottom line is, your money matters. Securities offered through SCF Securities Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through SCF Investment Advisors Incorporated. SCF Securities Incorporated and Kelly Financial Group are independently owned and operated. Neither Michael Kelly or Arlen Kelly offer legal or tax advice. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax advisor or attorney. Please consult legal or tax professionals for specific information regarding your individual situation.